everybody and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor, and we just got the football schedule released, so we're going to start off with that, but also go into the women's and men's basketball teams after we talk about the football schedule, but as we just said, the schedule released, or at least in the order, we already knew all of the opponents. We just didn't know the order, the times, the days, everything like that. So we're just going to go ahead and dive straight into it because our non-con is UT Martin at Tulane and then Arizona played either that Friday or that Saturday, September 13th or 14th. So either two days or one day before my birthday. So in terms of non-con, we I think we knew the non-con order even before the Big 12 schedule released. Yeah, we knew the non-con order. Uh, the only notable change here is that Arizona is either going to be a Friday or Saturday, which to me that says it's probably going to be a Friday. So that's what I'm going to prepare for, uh, which will be kind of unfortunate because that'll mean that there's only going to be uh, five football Saturdays uh, in Manhattan uh, this upcoming season if it ends up being on a Friday. Uh, but I understand them maybe wanting to move it to a Friday because that'd be a, a premier time slot, but it also makes uh, that not a weekend where you can really do any recruiting uh, as well. So there's a few downsides to it, but there, there are some upsides as well on the fan side maybe, but probably is all a wash, but we'll, we'll see. I imagine the staff would prefer to have that on a, on a uh, Saturday. Yeah. But the other two games, UT Martin's the FCS matchup, and then Tulane is, uh, well, it's Tulane, but they just lost Willie Fritz. Michael Pratt, I believe, is going into the NFL draft. They're not the same Tulane team that beat us in Manhattan a few years ago, and granted, we're not the same K-State team that lost to them a few years ago in Manhattan. So the the big marquee matchup is Arizona, and that just really depends on how they're able to bounce back from losing Jed Fish to Washington. Yeah, and it's been kind of a mixed bag from what I've been able to tell. They're keeping uh, their star quarterback, Noah Fafita, uh, which that's a a big deal in of itself, although the coaching hire I thought was an interesting one. Um, not anywhere near a home run, but I'm, I'm curious to see what they see there because they, they, maybe it's a great fit for them. Uh, but I just thought it was mainly a, a, an interesting choice. Um, but, but I think they've assembled a pretty decent staff at the very least. But yeah, just going to be tough to get a read on Arizona until we see them, I think. Yeah. So we have two probable wins, well, one definite win, one probable win, and then one toss-up, depending on what they are. Then we get into conference play, where we open on the road, a tradition unlike any other, up against BYU in Provo, then going up against Oklahoma State as the second conference game. We'll, we'll do these in threes. And then going to Boulder in a return trip, well, I, I should say first return trip since they left the Big 12. So those first three games, I'd say the biggie is probably Oklahoma State because I, Colorado still could be anything because they have all the talent in the world. It just depends on if they're able to put it all together because they had a massive and admittedly hilarious collapse towards the back end of last year, starting with losing to a bad Stanford team. <laughs> Yeah, um, starting on the road in Big 12 play, I mean, we're used to it. I don't really mind it that much this year. 
uh, just because we're only getting four home conference games. Uh, so I, I'd rather start on the road at the very least. So that way, at some point, we uh, get a, a decent uh, late season home stretch. Uh, which, of course, this year is going to be rough for home games anyways, because there's only six. Uh, but uh, starting on the road at BYU, um, curious to see what BYU does this offseason, because they weren't very good this year. Um, Oklahoma State at home at Colorado, you know, tough games, but uh, getting Oklahoma State at home should be a little bit better at the very least. And then Colorado, I'm glad to get them kind of in that middle point of the year because uh, I imagine they're going to be a lot different next year than they were this year. But uh, that's a pretty good timing, I think. Yeah. Then the next three are at West Virginia versus K- KU and then at Houston. West Virginia and Houston are the more interesting of the two matchups because West Virginia had a massive comeback year under Neil Brown, and then Houston is going to be in year one of the Willie Fritz era, who I think Willie Fritz probably steps in and is a top-five coach in the Big 12 immediately. But, of course, we'll have to figure out what KU is next year with um, Andy Katelnicki being gone and also them losing their defensive backs coach, who was a massive part of their recruiting success and their defensive success. So... Uh, KU, I don't have a lot of faith in them being good next year, but also I'm a hater. So I I fully own the fact that I'm a hater, so it could mm-hmm. be anything. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, they I, I think particularly on the defensive side of the ball, um, there's a lot of question marks. Um, offensively, they bring back a lot of their skill players, but uh, again, they're going to be breaking in a new coordinator uh bit of a weird hire coordinator as well yeah it's such a strange hire yeah but west virginia on the road that's always going to be tough and i imagine they're going to be a potential big 12 contender next year and then houston on the road i wouldn't have really been afraid of them this year uh next year i'm a little bit worried just because i do respect willie fritz a lot as a coach so i'll be interested to see how that goes but yeah this middle portion of the schedule is particularly difficult yeah. And the back end of the year is two home games up against Arizona State and Cincinnati, and then going to Ames, hopefully for a revenge game. Hopefully it's not snowing. Um, I, I know you still love snow games, but I, I'm i not a fan. Yeah, maybe we can try one against somebody else. Yeah. Huh. But, so to me, the, the sort of biggest games on the schedule are Arizona, Oklahoma State, in Houston, those are the big three to me. Um, this isn't this isn't going to be the football preview episode. We're still about you know four or five months out from doing the football preview episode. But yeah, those to me, Arizona, Oklahoma State, and Houston are like the three sort of big prove it games for this next year. Um, if you put a gun to my head and made me project a record right now, looking at this schedule, I'd say anything less than nine and three would be a massive disappointment. Um, that being said, I see a world where we do go like eight and four, nine and three. I don't think I think the floor with climate is eight and four, barring a global pandemic and catastrophe. Yeah, based on today i think we do have a pretty realistic shot at 10 wins next year i wish we had a few more home games or one more home game really uh but 
I, I do think that some of our road matchups might be fortuitous. Uh, BYU on the road, uh, that's um, a good environment, but BYU hasn't been great. Um, at Colorado, they could be anything, really. A uh, few other road games are tough, but getting Oklahoma State at home is huge. I'm very happy we have Arizona home as well. Uh, there, there's some good teams on the schedule, but we have a pretty good home draw, I think. Uh, Iowa State um, is going to be a pretty tall task at the end of the year as well. But I, I'm pretty happy with uh, uh, this schedule. Just wish, of course, there were a couple more home games. Uh, but our bye weeks are pretty well placed as well. Uh, we get one in between Oklahoma State and Colorado, and then we get one in between Houston and Arizona State. Uh, so I think they're um, putting the schedule pretty well. Hopefully we uh, get a little better out of bye weeks because we've kind of struggled out of bye weeks the um, in the climbing era. So hopefully we can maybe turn that on its head this upcoming season. Yeah. Hopefully so. Yeah, that's the football schedule. And normally this is where we would take a break to give our, our sponsorship, but we are sponsoring our own episodes from now on. So if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to use the supporters link Donate anything that you can for anything as little as one to two dollars to five dollars a month to help keep the show going and help us as two law students sustain ourselves for the foreseeable future. But now we can go into women's basketball and starting with the first matchup up against BYU at Bramlage Coliseum. Attendance was 8,180 people. Connor and I were not courtside, but floor seats. Um, it was a generally pretty solid atmosphere. I think that this game, in some ways, was a kind of coming back down to earth um, after some really solid performances the week before. BYU's not a bad team, you know, nine and twelve and nine, two and six. I think they're better than their record shows. But th- the big story of this game was. They just had a post player that was bullying us, and that was uh, Lauren Guston. We, we were just getting bullied in the post, which is really unfortunate when you allow a post player to put up Ioka Lee numbers, and it's not Ioka Lee. <laughs> but despite that, there were still some pretty solid performances for K-State, and of course they won 67-65. to 65. But Connor, you can take the starters here. Yeah, so Gisela Sanchez, she started and had her best game on the season Uh, finishing with 18 points on 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, and made her one free throw. She added three offensive rebounds as well, and then had one foul, two assists, four turnovers, and a steal. So uh, much better offensive showing than we've uh, been used to this season from Gisela Sanchez, and she did all that in 24 minutes. Uh, Serena Sundell, uh, she had 14 points in 38 minutes, 3 of 9 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, and 7 of 12 at the free throw line. And then she had 7 rebounds, 8 assists to 0 turnovers, and 4 steals. So a very clean game uh, from Serena Sundell. Uh, Could have done a little bit better on the scoring end of things and would have uh, asked for a little bit better from the free throw stripe, which kind of goes team-wide, really. Uh, But still, 8 assists to no turnovers is pretty fantastic. Like Abby Gregory, she did kind of struggle offensively. In 32 minutes, she had 10 points, 3 of 14 from the field, 2 of 9 from 3, and 2 of 4 at the free throw line. And she had two fouls, an assist, and a turnover. So not her best day. Uh, Jalen Glenn, she had 9 points on, in 38 minutes. All of those were um, 3-point shots. She went 3 of 6 from 3. 
and she had three rebounds, three fouls, three assists, a turnover, and a steal. Then Bradley Glenn rounded out the starting lineup, had eight points in 21 minutes, three of eight from the field, didn't make any threes on two of four at the stripe, and had four rebounds, one foul, an assist, and a turnover. So all in all, it was a, a fairly balanced day scoring-wise for the starters. Gisela Sanchez leading the way, and Serena Sandel had a great day as a facilitator. Yeah. Then off the bench, you had Zy Walker with 24 minutes, 2 of 7 from the field, uh, 1 of 2 from 3, 1 of 2 on her free throws. Had seven boards, including two offensive ones, three assists, three blocks, two steals, and six total points. Then Eliza Maupin, 21 minutes, one of three from the field, three rebounds, four fouls, one assist, three turnovers, three steals, two total points. I I think that in games with quicker whistles, I'm not sure Eliza is going to be the the best option yet, Um, which is so strange given how she played against Baylor, and they were still relatively quick with the whistle there at least during the first half. But Terrence Sides is the last player to come off the bench. Two minutes, 0-1 from the field, uh, and recorded a turnover, and that is it. The big stats from this game is, and the big story is that we just, we had trouble making layups. We only shot 36.1% from the, f- the floor. Actually ended up shooting better from three than we shot from the floor, 37% from three. And also free throws were a massive headache, which... I think that, that if there's one thing that's going to bite this team later on, even with Yoki back, it's going to be free throws to me. Yeah, which is so weird because last year a lot of the same players shot free throws quite well. Uh, a lot of our free throw percentages are down kind of significantly this season, which is a little strange to me. Uh, Serena Sundell was a really good free throw shooter last year, as was Gabby Gregory, and they're both down I think over 10% maybe this year. And that's just kind of unusual. And Aoka Lee even is down. And back when, uh, before her uh, year off last year, she uh, was, I think, uh, shooting almost 80% at the free throw line. I don't think she's in that neighborhood this year. So kind of team-wide, there's been a reduction in free throw percentage, which is a little strange. Um, But I I don't really know what to make of that. But, yeah, lots of missed uh, layups and easy shots in this game. This was one that we were lucky to escape with uh, at the end, but we should have been making a lot more shots than we did. We just could not convert at the rim. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, K-State's first Big 12 loss on the year occurred immediately after this game. That was the loss down in Norman to Oklahoma, 66-63. And the reason why this game kind of hurts so much is not only because it's our first um, Big 12 loss, but also it's just you, there are a couple of performances that, don't get me wrong, were really, really good, but there are also a lot of performances that it's, it's hard to be satisfied with. Um, I guess it's my job to take starters this time. Which, one of the big positives of the, the previous week, I'm not going to call anyone a breakout candidate, given how that's gone for the past, like, every time I've done it. Giselle Sanchez played 30 minutes, 7 of 16 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 1 of 200 free throw attempts, 9 rebounds, 1 foul, 1 assist, 4 turnovers, 1 block, 2 steals, 18 points. So, she stuffs the stat sheet. Serena Sundell played the entire 40 minutes, 
5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 2 of 200 free throw attempts, 10 rebounds, 2 fouls, 8 assists, 4 turnovers, 15 total points. So she got a double-double. Jalen Glenn, 38 minutes, 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 3 rebounds, 3 fouls, 4 assists, 3 turnovers, 1 block, 2 steals, 11 points. So she stuffed the stat sheet. Then I I think the big one that people are going to focus on, and I'll admit I'm focusing on it perhaps more than I should, Gabby Gregory, 32 minutes, 1 of 8 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, 2 of 200 free throws, 7 rebounds, 1 foul, 5 assists, 1 turnover, 5 total points. Then Briley Glenn, 17 minutes, 2 of 5 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 1 rebound, 1 foul, 1 steal, 5 total points. So I, I know that it, it's easy to focus on negatives when your star player isn't, you know, living up to the billing that they have. I, I Gabby Gregory this entire year has sort of been hot and cold, especially shooting. Her defense has been generally really good, but her, just her offensive production has been really hot and cold, and it, it's, it's getting to the point where I, it really needs to start hitting up, like heating up a little bit more like more consistently. Yeah, um, was we just desperately needed uh, some shots to fall in the fourth quarter because uh, the fourth quarter is our worst offensive quarter. We only had ten points uh, that quarter, and we went into that quarter with the lead, uh, but I get outscored by five there, and uh, we just badly needed someone to make a shot. And Gabby Gregory should be that person on this team, especially given how she played last year, but. It's just a completely different Gabby Gregory this year, uh, which has been pretty frustrating, especially because it does somewhat overshadow some great performances. Gisela Sanchez, she uh, had like 10 points in the first quarter and was really good and almost had a double-double. Serena Sandell was two assists away from a triple-double as well. Uh, There were some really good performances in this game, but we just couldn't quite do it. A very frustrating loss. Uh, which the way we've been playing the last few games, we were kind of due, I think, because we've been just not been able to put teams away. And it's been getting obvious that without Yoki, we're, like, each opponent's kind of just kind of ground us down a little bit more. And uh, then, you know, it was bound to happen at some point. Yeah. I, I just wish it wasn't up against Oklahoma, who I believe now was side for second. For us in the Big 12 race, yeah, this was a <coughs> this was a game that we really needed to win. Bless you, by the way. Thank you. And, I'm gonna have to really lower the audio on that. But yeah, this is a one we knew beating Texas on Saturday. That's gonna be really, really, really difficult. So this was a, a huge game uh, for us, and we just kind of squandered it. This was a one where now we're gonna if we want to win the Big 12, we're we're going to have to be pretty much perfect once Yoki gets back at this point. There's really no margin for error at yeah. this point. Yeah, if we end up dropping the game to Texas, we need a lot of help from whoever Oklahoma plays to... Do they do split-season titles? Or do they yeah. do tiebreakers? Okay. So our our best hope would be to hope Oklahoma loses if we drop a game to Texas, which is possible. They do play Baylor, still left on their schedule. But you have the, the bench players... Yeah, so not a ton of bench production in this game. Uh, Eliza Maupin, she played 16 minutes, 
I had four points, two of two from the field, and I had two rebounds, one foul, two turnovers. So again, since her offensive explosion against Baylor, uh, she's kind of um, been more where she was producing before. Uh, Zayana Walker, she had a really rough game. Uh, she had three points in 19 minutes on one of nine from the field, 0 of two from three, and one of two at the free throw line. Uh, just one rebound, four fouls, and a turnover uh, with four steals. So the steal numbers are good, but beyond that, really just a brutal day uh, from Zayana Walker, which that's kind of been the story with her recently too. has been very up and down. Uh, Amani Lester played five minutes and had two points on two of two at the free throw stripe, and that was that was it for her. Uh, Heavenly Greer played two minutes and had a rebound and a block. Uh, and then Terrence Size only played one minute and had a turnover. We haven't been seeing a ton of Terrence Sides as of late, and when she has gone in, she's been turning the ball over a lot. Uh, so I think she just, I think the game just isn't slowing down for her right now. And I, I just don't think she's made the adjustment uh, from how our non-conference opponents were. Uh, I think it'll, I think it'll happen for her, but she's just not quite ready. I don't think to play against Big Twelve competition. Yeah, just so weird given how she played against Iowa, but. Sometimes that happens, but yeah, dropping your first conference game as soon as you get ranked number two, they're probably still going to end up being ranked even if they do drop the next game to Texas, but still, it's it's not what you want to see and it is kind of disappointing, especially because this is a game where I think we probably smoke Oklahoma if we, if we have Yoki, but it, that's going to end up being what it is, and honestly... Uh, Yoki's expected to be back Valentine's Day, which happens to be Iowa State. But until then, we have to hopefully survive against Texas and Austin. I'm not crossing my fingers, but it's possible. And then beat an Oklahoma State squad that has shown life but isn't that great. Um, knock on wood. But, yeah, it, it, the next two games are about survival, especially after seeing the BYU and Oklahoma performances. I don't think this is a bad team, and I definitely don't think that this is a team that's in any danger of missing the tournament. They're a tournament lock at this point, unless they literally lose every single game after this and also get the doors blown off of them in every single game after this, which I don't think is going to happen. But, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, what do you take away from, like, the? do you agree with my assessment that the next few games are just about survival until Yoki comes back. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, I'm not super hopeful about this Texas game on the road. Uh, I already wasn't uh, once Yoki went out, uh, but even more so after the Oklahoma game, uh, just because I just don't think we match up with them particularly well without Yoki Lee. Um, I, I think that we'll have to really have a fantastic shooting day, and our offense is going to be out to hit. We're going to be hitting a lot of tough shots. Uh, if we want to beat Texas, which we haven't always been very consistent at. Oklahoma State at home, uh, that's one that I think you have to win, even without Aoka Lee, because uh, that is a beatable Oklahoma State team. Uh, even though they are not bad, uh, they've dealt with some bad injury luck, but that's a team that we should be able to beat, I think. Yep. So that is the women's team. Now we can talk begrudgingly about the, the men's team. I don't even really want to go into individual stats. I just kind of want to talk about each game and then bury them forever. 
So uh, if this lasts more than 15 minutes, I'd be surprised because I kind of don't want to dwell on it. Ended up going down to Houston, getting the doors blown off of us, uh, 74 to 52. I believe it took us, was it seven or eight minutes to score our first point in the first half? It wasn't quite that long, I don't think. Uh, th- that was the Oklahoma game oh, yeah. where it, it took that long. But we definitely made it to the first media timeout, I think, without scoring in this one. But, I mean, pretty much everybody played bad in this game. Day-Day was pretty efficient off the bench in limited minutes, uh, at least in terms of scoring. But we we were just really bad in this game. Uh, Houston took the defensive strategy that's been working against K-State, which is uh, aggressively trap Tyler Perry. And because he's just not quick enough to really dribble out of it, he's not a skilled enough dribbler to get out of it. Uh, and it requires us to stop and help him uh, and reset the offense, and that wastes probably five seconds. And Houston, we already knew, was an elite defensive team, but, I mean, they just obliterated us, especially in the first half. The second half was fairly even, but even then it didn't really feel even. It was it was pretty bad all around. Cam Carter shot three of six from three, which is pretty good given the circumstances, but... It was a, a pretty brutal game, uh, all things considered. Yeah, I I don't really have anything else to add other than it was a brutal game. I stopped watching maybe like four minutes left in the second half to start driving to Manhattan to watch the women play BYU. Um, as we've said multiple times on this show, I am infinitely more invested in the women's team than I am the men's team this year. But... Then playing up against Oklahoma in Bramlage Coliseum with 9,955 people in attendance, K-State once again just lays a complete dud at home. And it, I think the most disappointing part of it is that you could tell that the crowd really wanted to get into it, and they just never had the opportunity to have any life breathed into them because the team... I struggle to call this team awful. I know there are some people that will, but I, I'm i not there yet. I think okay teams, I, we're not, I don't think we're good. Um, I think OT, okay teams can have really, really, really bad performances, and this is just an example of a, a, just a complete egg being laid. Yeah, uh, this was pretty awful. Uh, Tyler Perry's best game in a while came at the expense of literally everybody else on the roster. Uh, I guess Dave had an okay game. Good job, Dave. But beyond that, it was pretty brutal. Tyler Perry was 3 of 10 from 3, and the rest of the team combined was uh, 1 of 18, uh, which was pretty awful. And the one make was Taj Manning, which was unexpected. Uh, I'll take it, but I would rather we make a few more threes as a team. Cam and Arthur Kaluma each go 0-5 from 3. Uh, just really, really, really bad. Uh, we went 17-25 at the free throw line, but Oklahoma, uh, they took almost 40 free throws. So we're just fouling a lot right now. And I think it's because we're just not converting on the offensive end and we're just getting desperate and lazy on the defensive side of the ball. The first half was... One of the worst offensive halves that I've ever seen from K-State. Uh, it's 
right up there with, I, I guess, the Nebraska game earlier this year. But this team is very, very prone to just dying. Like, yeah, minutes upon minutes upon minutes of just nothingness. Tyler Perry admittedly did have a pretty decent scoring game. He actually drove in a few times and actually convert some tough shots at the rim, which I will give him credit for. I think, honestly, I think in closer situations, I think he's afraid to do that. And I think the score being as wide as it was, I think gave him the confidence to say, well, this doesn't really matter and just at least try it. Hopefully that gives him more confidence going forward, but just it's clear at this point that he's just not meant to be the uh, main offensive point. And I think we'd be better served having probably Arthur, I think, run the point. I don't think Day-Day's ready to start. Uh, He didn't have a very good game against Oklahoma. Uh, But honestly, I could see a world where having Arthur Kaluma run the point uh, might be a decent idea. He's a fairly decent ball handler. He's got uh, some skilled basketball moves. But we need to find a way to keep Tyler Perry off ball as much as possible and just get him open shots. He kind of, sort of created a couple shots, but some of it was just changing his strategy and how he works with the pick and roll. But this game was... The Houston game, the loss was not unexpected. It was just bad. Yeah. This game... It was unexpected and bad. Yeah. This game was embarrassing, I think. this Because it wasn't just that we lost by a lot it was a pretty pitiful effort as well um i mean this is a team that last year we played we played oklahoma on senior day last year we were putting on a dunk clinic against them and we were checking guys in that were graduating and then subbing them out like everyone was getting a curtain call and it was like one of the best games that k-state played all year and not even a year later, and we're getting blown out by 20 on our home floor, and we're kind of out of it for the last 10 minutes. And this was this was an embarrassing loss. Yeah, it, and I think the, the worst part of it was that there was a time where K-State sort of cut the lead down to manageable in the second half. And then I don't like saying that teams give up. I, I don't like saying that because I... I technically don't know that, but it looked like a team that had just given up in the second half. And I know Tang took, he you know, in his tweet, he said, tough loss, that's on me. What's next? Want to know? Um, I don't think the effort is on Tang. I, I, I think you can pin a lot of things on the coaching staff this year, a lot of it being offensive. And I think it goes beyond losing to big-time contributors. But at what point do you do you just have to have the guys to make plays? At what point do you have to have the guys that have the want to to, you know, have that guts, that grit to, you know, grit their teeth and say, okay, yeah, we, we've been punched in the mouth. You've embarrassed us the entire game. We're not going to let that just completely shut us down. The back end of this game was K-State completely shutting down and saying, you know, we're, we're a team that's going to shirk from 
adversity even in, when it looks like we're able to claw our way back from it. Yeah, I, I do put a lot of the effort issues on the team. I do put some of it on Tang, though, because uh, that's kind of one of his key attributes, I think, as a coach, is being a motivator. I mean, he's a very naturally motivating person to be around from everything we've seen. So I do think that some of it has to fall to him just because that's something he prides himself on. But it does, it does also, I think, raise the uh, other side of the issue, kind of the negative inference, uh, where if he's so motivating as a coach, we've seen that. How is this team not responding to that? So I, I do think it's a mix of both. I lean towards it being on the team. I do think that there are some serious coaching issues, though, mainly, and I'm not the first person to say this, but the offense does need to be adjusted. The five-out's not an inherently bad offense. In fact, I think it could be really effective. We just don't have the personnel for it. And I think I understand trying to roll with it because we spent some we spent a lot of time installing it uh, this offseason, and completely changing an offense mid-season is not easy. Borderline impossible. Yeah, borderline recipe <laughs> for disaster. But... We need to at least be altering it or making it a little bit different. Maybe we are. I just don't get basketball sets enough because I'm not a basketball wizard. You know, I I don't know as much. I don't really know much of anything about basketball plays and how basketball offenses function. But what I do know is that I have eyeballs and the offense is not working. And I think everybody can see that, especially from these last couple of games. There's been stretches where it works, but the only time where it really seems to work is when we're hitting our shots from the outside of consistency, and we have been anything but consistent from outside for the most part this year, no matter who the competition has been. And I, I think it's deeply concerning that we've not made more adjustments, because last year I think the staff was particularly good at adjusting. I, I think that we were kind of the exact opposite, but this year we're kind of digging our heels in, I can't help but think that some of it is that they just don't trust the personnel that they have. But I'm not sure what the ultimate answer is for the issue. But it's been a brutal stretch of games. I think this Iowa State game maybe is lingering in our minds, uh, at least partially, because that was a game that got away. Uh, I don't think it accounts for everything, though. But it's... It's been rough to watch these last few games because there was a, it's not even a week ago, we were feeling pretty well about this team. Yeah, the Iowa State loss was tough, but we, a week ago, especially two weeks ago, we felt much different about the squad than we do right now. Yeah, because I, you know me, I try not to be alarmist, but I, I'm, I'm just treating every game as it is what it is from now on. I don't think this is a tournament team unless, like, barring some major changes, which I don't see happening. I, I don't see this as a tournament team anymore, and a lot of that could just be the pure deflation from the last few games, but it it's really difficult to get excited for this team now. Yeah, I think some of that comes back to last year. I think we were spoiled 
I'm not going to say lucky because I don't think we were lucky. Uh, I think we brought in good players that fit exactly what we wanted to do. And we made the absolute most of a pieced together roster that had two stars and a bunch of role players on it. And I don't think that was luck. I think that was good coaching. But this year's team doesn't have guys of Marquise Noel or Keontae Johnson's caliber, which we knew. But we were we were hopeful that adding guys like Kaluma, but also keeping someone like Naquan Tomlin and then adding another person like Quez Glover, that would make it to where the sum of the parts this year equaled uh, the output of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. But uh, I, I think maybe the biggest thing this team is missing is Marquise Noel off the court because he was a, a pretty ferocious leader. And I don't know who on this team is motivating at the same level as Marquise Noel because great teams have great leaders. There's a reason that K-State was good and Barry Brown was here. Uh, Jacob Pullen was here. Teams that have vocal guards at K-State seem to do pretty well. And I think Tyler Perry has the respect of his teammates. I'm just not sure if he is the natural leader that... um, Marquise Noel is. Now he might be. I, I don't know. Uh, Kaluma has said that uh, Perry's the leader of the team, um, but it it's getting tougher to believe that. And this whole team's just in a really tough spot right now, I think, because nothing's going the way that they planned, uh, which injuries happen and things happen, but it's, it's just been pretty brutal as of late. I, I still think that this team can be a tournament team, but with how they've been playing the last couple games, uh, they're not tournament quality. But I think the pieces are there to potentially put together one last run if we make the proper adjustments. But I'm not going to count on that. No, I'm not either. You have any final thoughts before we, we sign off on that admittedly down note? The Backcats start pretty soon, and I'm very excited for that. I am too. I'm really excited for the rest of the women's season and the Batcats to start up, and also men's golf, apparently. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about everywhere at Aggieville Cats. And if you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at ACEdward00. I'm at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store or check out the supporters link both in our Twitter and podcast bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Or come rain, shine, or anything between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.